shop. We are, man, it's Monday, 15th, <laughs> no, yeah, the 15th, it's Monday the 15th, and yeesh, I don't know, it feels like things are moving really fast, and also are moving really slow, I don't know, it's tricky, I keep saying I don't know, and I don't like that I keep saying that, it's Monday, it's 2.30-ish, I'm tired. And I'm kind of unmotivated to record this, and I guess I'm going to record that anyway so that people know what I'm thinking about when I record things. I ate lunch, a big sandwich, it was good. Probably good enough that I'm tired enough to not want to do anything, but I'm not entirely sure. My grandma's dog just came into my office and I think maybe pissed on something. I don't know. It's Monday. In the ever-happening... Boy, there's a lot of spaces between those sentences. And the never-ending uphill battle of figuring out how to have confidence to do anything. Wake up. Uh, get work done. Define work, first of all. And contextualize the work that you're defining against the work that people around you do. And then still have the strength and self-confidence to call it work. This is episode three. <laughs> of the On Playing With series, a series that I decided I wanted to do, and a series I said was going to end at episode three, but is no longer going to end at episode three, because my wife pointed out that I should do a On Playing With partners, spouses, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, partners. The best co-op uh, experience. It's not the best. There's no one better than the other. Co-op is good if it's with the right people. But there will be a fourth one of these. I'll probably record it later this week. School starts this week, though, and I've got an interview with John Everest on Wednesday. So it may not be this week. Hopefully it is. Anyway, episode three of the On Playing With series. I'm rambling already, and we're two minutes and 14 seconds in. When I set out to do this series, as I mentioned probably once or twice before, it was just to talk about the changing dynamics of how... Friend groups uh, evolve and change over time. What I didn't plan on was, as a gamer, was playing with parents and how that would change and evolve over time. So there's episodes one and two. This third episode is really less than a year old in my own personal experience. I guess you could say it extends before that, but it's harder to nail down what you would quantify as gameplay before April of this year. My daughter turned six in March and she's always kind of watched me play games. But she never really got involved and it wasn't because we didn't, I didn't want her to. The, the remap radio, the, the, the reimagination and, and, uh, furthering of the thoughts and voices of the folks at Waypoint, despite Vice trying to lay them all off. Not trying, actually laying them all off. The folks over at Remap include one Patrick Klepek, who I've listened to for years now, and I really like what he has to say, and he started his own substack focused on playing games as a parent. Whatever that means, right? Not whatever that means, but playing games as a parent and whatever that means. So choosing what games your kids get to play, playing games with your kids, playing games without your kids, how to 
tell your kids to not play this and that. All the different ways that a parent has to engage with their kids. And I'm starting to get there, but so far it's a little more skin deep. I keep yawning too. I might need coffee, but sorry. Uh, but Patrick's, I don't want to say purpose or goal, but Patrick has made a specific effort. And again, this is Patrick Klepek from Remap Radio. If you haven't listened to them, sorry. I'm going to talk about them for a few more minutes. Patrick has made this effort to keep from trying to put his thumb on the scales with his kids about whether or not they like to play games, which I can respect. And I, for the most part, mirrored myself. The, the thumb on this, where, where you define something as putting your thumbs on the scales is a little tricky for me. And it's obviously probably pretty tricky for him as well. I was never like, here, you should play this. Because I want, I want you to like games, right? It was more the outcome of my daughter watching my wife and I play games together and saying, I want to be a part of that. And there was a measure of knowledge in my head that watching us play in the same room was going to make her want to play, which I sometimes did feel a little weird about. I wasn't trying to influence her, but I wasn't trying to not influence her. And I don't, when my daughter was born, right? My first kid, my oldest, Charlie, when she was born, my wife and I made two decisions pretty early. One, actually neither of them being anything we would be able to act on for a while. But the first decision was that we'd grown up our entire lives watching people talk to kids like they're dumb, dumb little babies. And we fucking hate that. You sit in a restaurant and hear someone say, do you want your Wawa? No, probably wants water. Wawa is not a fucking thing. Do you want your Baba? No. Binky or pacifier? Binky is borderline. Binky is borderline, but I'll I keep it. I'll say, I'll let it happen. Baba, Wawa, you need to go TT? No. You need to go potty. I need my water. Give me the binky. Use words. Talk to these kids like they're Again, personal stuff. Stephen Colbert, like, in between... Uh, sessions of recording, right? The commercial breaks or whatever. Had somebody ask him, like, "What would you? What advice would you give new parents?" And one of the things I can't remember all of them, but they were like, "They're smarter than you think you are." What? They are smarter than you think they are, and they remember everything. And so, like, ba ba wa wa tt. Man, they're smarter than you think they are, and that's been my experience. With all of my kids. Now, all two of my kids so far, right? Luna's a month old, so she's still pretty dumb. And I, again, mean that like a puppy. Like when I said to, oh, you little cute little stupid puppy. Because her brain doesn't do anything. Her brain literally doesn't do anything. I'm not saying you're an idiot. I'm saying you lack the ability to have computational thought. Is that mean? I don't know. She's not going to remember. Anyway, um, <laughs> one of the things was we're not going to talk to our kids like babies, right? The other thing was I don't want to like dive into the very gendered toy spectrum and clothing spectrum for my kids. Not because I'm some gender pariah 
that people like the but because I just think it's dumb. And I mean that literally. I think that putting a newborn in hot pink stuff that says Miss Prissy is dumb. You have no idea who that fucking kid is. Don't project yourself onto your kid, right? And I only think I think all people that buy that stuff are doing that. Oh, she's gonna be a princess. That's fine. Let her decide what she wants to be. So we picked pretty gender, not gender neutral even, just color tone neutral. Stuff that was white with flowers on it. Stuff that wasn't like super bright, annoying pink, super bright, annoying blue. And did it mean that a few times people would have to be like, what's his name? And we would go, her name is Charlotte. Or what's her name? And we would say, his name is Eli. Yes, we had to do that a few more times. Eli grew his hair out. When he was a kid, we got his first haircut when he was like two. And it was like, oh, damn. He grew up so fast, bro. Fuck. His hair before that was long, and we put it in a man bun. And people would be like, she's so cute. I'd be like, yes, he is. But see what I mean? I'm not about, like, projecting that level of, like, this is what my kid is. Even in that case. Um, also, as a, a brief aside, all of the fucking people that like to stick the, like, suggestive shit on their kids. Oh, ladies, man. Oh, too hot to handle. Daddy's a little good trouble for that. Da- fuck it. Fuck it. I can't think of any more. I can't think of any more because I never bought them. And, like, we got one, I think. And... It was for Charlie way back. I think it was like a black dress and it was like boys I have arrived or something. Yuck, dude. Fucking yuck. Take that shit off your kids. Your two-year-old son's not a ladies man. He's a fucking toddler. All right. He's a fucking ladies man. Don't. Or what? I just said he's. No. He's a fucking toddler. He's not a ladies man. Fuck that shit. Take, the kid, take that off your kid. Gross. Grow up. <laughs> Fucking hate it. So, like, I don't want to, I didn't want to assume anything for Charlie. Also, like, we didn't buy super specific toys. Like, if she liked the car, she liked the car. If she wanted Spider-Man, we got her Spider-Man. We bought her, like, boy Spider-Man underwear so she could have Spider-Man underwear because there aren't girl Spider-Man underwear. Because for some reason, girls aren't allowed to, like, fucking Spider-Man. It's dumb. It's all bullshit. So we didn't buy stuff that was, this is what this, this is the gender this is for. Barbies only, kitchen stuff only, fucking girl stuff. No, she had cars and transformers and construction trucks and a kitchen and dolls and everything. So in that same spirit, right? Of not talking to kids like like they're whoop. Uh, of not talking to kids like they're dumb, and not forcing what's expected in terms of entertainment onto them. Video games were a thing I just did in the vicinity, right? Because mom does girl stuff. Dad does guy stuff around the kids. I don't want to tell them what they can and can't do. They can do whatever they want. And if they find more comfort in one avenue than another, great. If they decide they want to switch back and forth, I don't give a fuck. We just live the example of what kind of people we are next to them, right? So Charlie has seen me play games for years. I mean, you can argue that Charlie and Eli have both seen me play games since the moment they were born. 
And Charlie came home in 2017. I was playing Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, I think Assassin's Creed Origins was at the end of the year for that. Uh, a little bit of Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep, the first one, Horizon Zero Dawn. For Eli, I very distinctly remember playing through the Cyberpunk campaign in 2020. Uh, 2021. Um, playing in the living room, playing through Cyberpunk with Eli sleeping on my chest. So, like, they've been exposed to games their entire lives. So, it's obviously only natural for them to ask what that is, eventually. And keeping in line with the not wanting to project what you do onto your kids without letting them kind of choose that they want it, I didn't offer to let them play for a while. And then when Charlie did ask to offer, I think the first time I handed her a controller that was off, or batteryless, and it was funny actually. That is exactly what I did. It was funny because I didn't put the case, the close the case back on the back of the controller, so she knew the batteries were in it. And she was like two or three, so she didn't know what batteries were, but she knew that when they were missing, the thing didn't work. So I handed it to her, and she turned it over, and not because it was too light. She didn't have that knowledge ingrained yet, but she turned it over, saw the flap was open, and went, "It doesn't work." And I was like, "Shit." So then I put the batteries in backwards and then closed it. And then she acted like she was playing the game with me. And that was fine. That was the first little. Oh, yeah, she's probably interested in games. And like, again, I didn't know if that at the at the time, if she was just engaging in mimicry. Right. And just doing what dad was doing. But it was the first moment I keep fucking yawning. It's two. No, it's three. I oh, maybe that sandwich was too big. Every every the sandwich is so big, you just want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> that was the first little footprint in the mud. You know, foot tracks leading toward the house. I was like, "Oh shit, okay." She's she's interested in, in trying to do what I'm doing. So what does that mean? And like I said, she's almost seven now. It took years. It took. I mean. It's a couple of different factors, right? My wife and I play PlayStation together. We have for a long time. That used to be all we played together, but then we didn't have a PlayStation, so we had an Xbox in the living room. My wife does not like the Xbox controller. Some people are just wrong. And so we didn't play as much on the Xbox as we did previously with PlayStation. So all of those weird factors, like the wrong system being in the living room, so mom and dad playing less, to me getting my own office, so doing everything in the office instead of doing things in just the living room. So me playing games is a little more separate from, you know, the places where everybody is. Often when dad's in his office, the door's shut. Uh, most of the time that's at night. So I don't do it during the day and shut people out. It, still, all of those things evolve and change over time. And so without... For the first time in this little mini series, saving you guys the long story and giving you the short one instead, we moved in April. My office is no longer in a cold basement. It is on the main floor. And furthermore, my office is on the way to the kids' room. So they're always engaging in what I've got going on. And my office is built out. Uh, light strips, sound panels, big displays of nerdy I got halo statues and death stranding statues and mech uh art prints hanging in fucking three inch uh 
inset frames. Like I got shit fucking everywhere. And Assassin, I got the Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag flag hanging from my wall, and a neon changing ramen sign in the back corner. My room is a giant. It's my mecca. It's my church. Certainly don't believe in any of the religious meccas or churches. So this is this is the this is the thing. So again, things become more clear when you make them visible. And I started to realize, and I, again, this is, I keep saying again as if I've said it before. Maybe it's just because I keep thinking it, or I think these things in my head for long periods of time. I mean this as no slight to Patrick Klepek, who I brought up earlier, and that reference may be dubious to some people, but it made perfect sense to me at the time. But I don't want my kids to not know who I am. And playing games and talking about games is such a big part of who I am that I can't hide them. Now, like Patrick has said, I never was like, you have to play this. I want you to like games. But they saw Dad, Charlie specifically saw Dad playing games a lot. And sometimes I said I was working. And sometimes that was 100% true, playing through a game so I can write about it. Again, figure out how to quantify what your work is compared to other people's work and see if you still have the confidence to call it work. That's the story of my life, but I would call it work. When the kids go down now, my daughter asks, Daddy, are you going to be working in your office? More than 60% of the time, that means I'm playing games with my friends. But 100% of the time when she asks that question, I say yes. Yes, Daddy will be working in the office. Because I think it's valuable a couple of ways. One, I'm not hiding who I am. Two, well, something I never had. I'm giving my kids a reality where playing video games and talking on a microphone and doing stuff like this is work to them. It's work. It can be work. It exists as a workplace. I had to figure this shit out on my own. Nobody else, nobody else does the stuff that I do around me. And I don't mean no one else in the world. I mean, I didn't have any examples of how to do it of people that I knew. I just had to do it through the internet. Ben years ago used to write for Silicon Magazine. And that was cool. But when I got into writing about game stuff, it wasn't because I remember him doing any of that stuff. It was because I wanted to write about games. I talked about this in previous episodes of this pod, this mini series. I didn't have anybody showing me. Nobody, especially not in the Midwest. And like my daughter now wants to currently wants to be a teacher. I teach. My uncle teaches. My grandmother taught. Moms teach every day. Dads teach every day. There's abilities that we have that we can pass on focused on teaching. And you can see it everywhere around you. Writing about video games, recording podcasts, talking about video games in a scholastic manner in some ways. I never saw that shit. So I don't hide it. I do it in front of my kids. I do it around my kids. I talk about these things with my kids. All of this culminating back, getting back to the original direction before the several digressions we just went on. All of this coming back to... Moving into this house in April, my office being immediately more accessible, and the return of a PlayStation to the living room. We sold a house, right? 
we bought this one. We sold our last one. We made some money on the on the back end. The things I wanted with that money, I wanted tattoos. I never did that. What I did instead is I built a two thousand dollar PC and I bought a PS five. PC has been awesome. Took me a while to figure out how to use it because like I've played games on console my whole life, but I, I've gotten into PC games more. I've gotten into playing games on PC more. I played Starfield on PC instead of on Xbox because I was like, well, I bought it. Might as well. Turns out that was the best way to do it. It's the things I spent with the money that we got from selling our house, the little portion we allotted to each other, my wife and I. PC, PlayStation 5. PlayStation 5 came with God of War Ragnarok. That was very nice. Um, but also I had a PS4 in the past, one that I'd lent to my grandmother and used to help get her a new Xbox. So didn't have any more, but I had a library of games. I have a history of having PlayStation Plus. I have a bunch of stuff on the PlayStation. One of those things that we have not encountered or touched for a long time was Crash Team Racing. We'll talk about this in the on playing with partners episode for sure. Crash Team Racing is one of the first things my wife and I did alone at our house. Right? You go on dates, you go out to movies, whatever. Hanging out at like your girlfriend's house or at my house. Like, what do you do? I had three brothers. How do I fucking, how do I get some private time? Whatever. Dating when we're 15, 16 years old. One of the first things we did by ourselves in her parents' house in the computer room, which was adjacent to the living room, was play on the PlayStation 1 Crash Team Racing. It's like Mario Kart, but Crash Bandicoot. Not much more to it. You pick up, you hit crates, they give you something, you shoot it at people, try to win the race. My wife absolutely fucking devours devours those games so we get a playstation back we start playing it having fun we beat the campaign in like a week because we're we've been playing the game for fucking 15 years and then something happens charlie re-encounters mom and dad sitting in the living room playing games together laughing watching a progression uh bar counter tick up 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 to 100 Seeing us go through and get prizes for doing things. It started to click pretty quickly with her. This could be something I could fucking get into. That's not what she said, but I bet she would have said it. She goes, oh, 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 oh. okay. I get it. Let me, give me that. My wife and I looked at each other. She didn't literally say these things, guys. I'm being funny. My wife and I looked at each other, though, and went, okay. Fuck it. Amanda was like, I don't know if she's going to be able to pull it off. And I was like, oh, here's the thing you put on easy. <laughs> She'll be fine. So, you know, it was May, June after the move. And I plugged her into the PlayStation with Crash Team Racing on. And let her just fail. For days. Not, not being dad shit, right? Not Bean Dad. No, y'all remember Bean Dad from 2020? The dad who was like, my daughter wanted a snack. So I was like, find one. And we didn't have any snacks. So she found a can of beans. And I was like, yeah, you can have that first snack. She was like, but can you open it? And he was like, no, you can open it. You know how. Get the can opener. 
And then the kid gets a can opener and can't figure it out for hours. While dad is fucking chronicling this on Twitter. And then people turned on him so fast because like, hey, dog, your kid was it talks about he talked about her getting frustrated, not wanting to talk to him. It was like, remember that one time you starved your fucking kid to make a point about survivalism or whatever the fuck you were trying to make a point about? I didn't bean dad, Charlie. Well, <laughs> that sounds funny. I didn't bean dad, Charlie, while she was playing Crash Team Racing. What I mean by letting her lose was I didn't make it solo races, but I also didn't make it medium difficulty. It was just easy. And she wasn't very good. But if I kept standing there going, hit this, hit that, hit this, hit that, hit this, hit that. One, that's bossy. Not a lot of people like micromanagers. And if you do, you're one of those weird people that like, good for you, man. You're going to make a friend somewhere. Or you're never going to get in an argument with the guy who's taking his GameStop job too seriously. Um, So I didn't want to be looking over his shoulder. I hate when people backseat drive for me. Why would I do it to my kid? And on top of that, I think that the best way to learn is by testing, right? And that's me. I'm a different kind of parent than other parents. I'm for sure. But like, you got to test it. So we let her poke and prod at the controller. And I was like, okay, this button goes forward. This button, these two buttons go left and right. Use the D-pad first. You can use the sticks when your hands are a little bit bigger. Okay. She gives it a shot. She's very bad. She drives, uh, she doesn't fully understand turning for a long time. She doesn't fully understand like what the little things on the map are. The green arrows that are moving or the little boxes or the little box with no question mark on it. It just gives you fruit or what, what having more fruit means than having less fruit. She didn't fully understand it for a while, for a while. But if she ever had, like, trouble, trouble, which she didn't, I, I would let her ask. And, and a couple, I mean, she would ask a lot of questions. A lot of the time, I would just say, figure it out. It's okay. Figure it out. And if you don't, you can try again. One of the things that I talk about a lot with my grandmother, which, now that I say it out loud, excuse me, I just took a drink of sparkly water. <sighs> Woo. Which I don't know specifically if it's, as I was saying it out loud, you know, I don't know. If it's just with my grandmother, but I talk, I've, I've told this story a lot to people. It's one of my favorite things to reminisce about. <clears throat> I played baseball. Surprise. I'm glad that I played baseball for a cornucopia of reasons, but the most prominent reason I am happy that baseball was a sport I decided to play. For as long as I did and love it to this day as much as I do. And the reason for that is baseball is like the only sport on the planet where you can fail 70 times out of 100. And you're a good ball player. For people who don't know sports, I'll get into it briefly. For those of you who do, you should get it immediately. But for those of you who don't know sports... In basketball, if you shoot the ball into the hoop, you at the first time you try, you shoot, you make it, you're one for one. You've got a 100% rate, uh, 
record on your attempts to number of times you scored. But by the end of a game that's got four 15-minute quarters, four 12-minute quarters, whatever the fuck it is for basketball, by the end of a game that's got four quarters, you're shooting 10 for 16 or 20, 20 for 27, 15 for 20, 17 for 23, from the floor. That's what they mean. What they mean by from the floor is that's you shooting baskets. So you make 17 out of the 23 attempts you make. So if you break it down into like easy math, say that the normal average is like seven or eight out of 10, right? You make seven or eight of the shots you take out of 10. That's what you need to be on the starting roster in the NBA, right? Break that out over 100, you're talking 70 to 80 successes out of 100 attempts. In baseball, it's exactly the opposite. You go up to hit. If you are successful, if you only fail 70 to 75% of the time, you are a good ball player. If you fail 75 to 80% of the time, you're an all right ball player. If you fail 80 to 85% of the time, you don't play in the pros. Batting averages that you see that are like point three oh oh, that's a three hundred average. That means out of one thousand times, they got on, they got a base hit, or otherwise hitting the ball to get on base, three hundred times out of a thousand attempts. That's what three hundred is. And there's this. Fucking ethos that that instilled in me as a kid. Like, it's the only sport where failing seven times out of ten is good. And I'm not saying the more you fail, the better you are. I'm just saying baseball looks at your odds of being successful and treats you honestly and says, all right, yeah, you're kind of hit, you're going to try and hit a ball that's coming at you 90 ish miles an hour. Sometimes lower, sometimes higher, from sixty feet six inches away. So that's already real close. And then you've got a swing, a bat that's diameter is never more than three inches. And hit that thing, and you know it. It's fucking wild. But the odds gods looked at that and said, yeah, okay, you're going to be good at this if you can be successful three times out of ten. Six times out of twenty. Fucking nine times out of thirty. You're going to be good. The kind of player we want on our team, if you can hit 300. And do you know how many people hit 300 in baseball right now? It's lower than that. You're more likely to see people succeeding two and a half times out of ten. Five times out of 20. Five times out of 20. If you applied for jobs and got a call back for five out of 20 applications you sent in, which is actually pretty close to how it is, if not worse, you'd be pretty demoralized, right? That is the, that's one of the best ways you can be in baseball. Why is this important, right? I, it's just what I internalized as a kid, and it is 
how I've, I think, kept myself sane over years and years and years of trying to figure things out or trying to get somewhere and then not working immediately. The sport I played for more than 15 years taught me that you're going to fail a lot more than you're going to be successful. A lot more. And so I had that same mentality with my youngest brother. My, my, I've got three brothers. The two in between me and the youngest were older than my ability to really give them much advice. That's not true, but, you know. Well, what the, the point is, my youngest brother, we had this thing, me and my brothers. We would play wiffle ball every day in the summer. We just, it was something inescapable. Even my brother, Ian, who didn't give a shit about playing baseball, would play wiffle ball with us. Uh, he's a skateboarder and soccer player. Don't get me wrong. The amazing things in their own. But they just weren't, they weren't baseball, but he played with us. It was two on two. We did it all the time. When we moved to Springfield in 2006, my brother was six. And right around Charlie's age. And we didn't play until the summer of 2007, really. We didn't really get into it. But in 2006, when he was six, he wanted to play. And I would let him play on my team. Because I was really good at baseball. Uh, and my brothers, the other two brothers, one didn't play that sport at all. And one was also pretty good, but I was better than him. And I knew it. So Jordan was on my team. And that first summer when he came up to hit where other people may have tossed underhand or thrown easy pitches, we didn't. We just pitched to him. And he got his ass kicked most of the summer. People throwing sliders that with a wiffle ball that look like they're coming at your head that end up three feet away from you, but the opposite direction. So you like start to back up and then have to dive back over. And then after, you know, towards the end of the game, we would give him a few underhand pitches to really tee off on and have fun with. But for the majority of the time that summer, we did not take it easy on him, and he did not do well. But this thing happened the next summer. He got older. He he internalized some of the things that we said when we were playing. And I shit you not, that next summer, he hit as good as... Ian, who was fucking five, six years his older. Uh, and not all the time, <laughs> obviously. But this kid who was seven, who'd done this one year already, all of a sudden had this. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Last year, you didn't take it easy. And I had to figure out how to hit this pitch, this pitch, this pitch. When pitches are out here, I'm supposed to wait. Pitches are in here. I'm supposed to jump them early. He was taking pitches outside to the opposite field with power. He was taking pitches on the inside to the pull side with power. He was taking pitches on the inside to opposite field, inside out with power. He was, it was weird, man. It was weird. And it kind of instilled this idea in me, both baseball and this experience. One, you're going to fail a lot more than you expect. And that's good. That's baseball teaching you. And don't baby kids. They're smart. They remember everything. And they're a lot smarter than you think they are. So Charlie starts playing Crash Bandicoot. Starts asking a couple questions. And I remember 
I remember the day it stopped. I remember the day she stopped asking questions. Like, I don't remember the date or what day of the week it was, but I remember walking past her playing games and realizing she's been doing this for an hour. She hasn't asked me anything. And then, like, standing in the little doorway between the dining room and hallway in my house, kind of peeking through into the living room and watching her play. So she didn't know I was watching. Not because I was trying to hide from her, but just, like, sitting there on my way to doing something else and stopping after having that little realization in my head. And I realized she was, like, passing people. Making turns. Hitting jumps. Hitting speed boosts. Picking out pickups and then hitting the button to shoot people with them. And I was like, oh, shit. She gets it. She gets it. So for months, Crash Team Racing was her absolute fucking jam. She won a bunch of different cups, all on easy. She figured out how to use about all of the pickups. The only pickups she really doesn't get are the pickups that she doesn't... Hmm. She gets all the pickups. Some pickups are used in different ways. Like, you can hit backwards and shoot with the bowling ball to shoot the bowling ball behind you. Or you can hit forwards and shoot with the little vial of acid or whatever. Banana peel equivalent. And you can shoot the banana, throw the banana peel forward. Um, She doesn't quite get those. Also, she hasn't mastered drifting. But if she hits a TNT crate, which if you've played Crash Bandicoot, you know, they count down from three. They land on top of your head. And if you jump enough, you can pop one of those off of the top of your head. She knows how to do that. So she just picked up a game in a couple of months. And like, that's not much. That's not much time. Um, that's also a very long time. It really depends on how you look at it, right? Because my in the last conversation, in the last episode, talking about my the moms playing, my mom and my uncle's mom, my grandmother, that something taking them a couple months isn't bad either. But it's also a long time to wait if you're trying to like, do something with that person in that space. That's where the majority of the friction for family game night comes from is Ben or myself or both of us saying, we've done this five or six times. How have you not learned it yet? And if you remember my reference to my high school uh, algebra professor, Schopenhorst, that's us doing the same thing. How don't you understand this? So Charlie picking it up in a couple months was like, okay, and the amount of pride she took and the amount of t- trash talking that she would start to do with the AI players. You could tell it was starting to be her little comfort space. She was starting to, to not just be capable, but proficient at it. And that led to just really great, really great moments with her. But all of this then leads to, well, you've played a lot of Crash why, what am I going to do to find her something else to play? And that's a tricky question to ask anybody, especially given the context of the last conversation for somebody who's done it before for people who aren't as experienced in games as you are. But I had this day in like November, just out of nowhere. Maybe it was October. I was just like, what if, um, what if I give this game a shot? I, oddly enough, had heard Patrick Klepek months ago talking about, maybe even a year ago, talking about a game called Kena, Bridge of Spirits. It's a game by Ember Lab. It's a PlayStation exclusive. I think it might be on PC, but as far as I'm aware, 
currently. It's a PlayStation exclusive. You play Kana, this black haired, staff wielding spirit guide who's going through a town that's mostly abandoned or completely abandoned and trying to restore the land from the corruption that's making it choke and die. And you're trying to settle some spirits that have become corrupted in the in the meantime. And I remember Patrick talking about it as feeling like a Pixar movie. And I was like, well, that's dope. Someday I'll play that with Charlie. I said this more than a year ago. I So I saw this game going through the store because it's a PlayStation Plus game. I decided to download it. Played the opening like 10, 15 minutes before it really just goes, all right, now go solve the problems. Go solve the world's problems. I played the intro section and immediately, absolutely immediately went, oh, I think I got to let Charlie play this. Not because I didn't want to play it, but because, like, she she would like this. Like, this is a kid that I remember sitting her down in front of, we watch a lot of Disney. We watch a lot of, a lot of Netflix. We watch a lot of Nickelodeon shit. So there's a certain point in time as a parent, if you haven't noticed, this is one of those digressions. There's certain times you'll notice as a parent, like, I've watched too much of this recently. Like, so recently, I'm not sure if I've watched anything else. So you have these moments where you go, well, what can we watch that's not what we've already watched? And one of the best examples of that for me was accidentally remembering that all the Studio Ghibli shit was on HBO Max. Now Max, whatever the fuck it's called. And I was so tired of, like, Barbie and... Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous, which that show's great, but I'd seen it so much and tired of Blaze and all the other shows. And I stumbled my way into Studio Ghibli's channel on Max and just turned on my neighbor Totoro. And Charlie was so mad at me that we weren't watching what, what she wanted to watch. But then the movie got started a little bit and she fell in love with it almost immediately. Like 10 minutes in, she was like, I like this movie, Daddy. And I was like, cool, good. And then I went to pause it. And she was like, no, I like it. I was like, it's in Japanese. Do you want to understand what they're saying? And she was like, oh, yeah. She had no idea. She thought she was just, I don't know what she was thinking. But she loves Totoro. Um, since then, we've watched Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service. And then Totoro again. And then Spirited Away. And then Totoro, Totoro. She loves Totoro. But one of the things that triggered my thought process the way it did with Kana was that Kana's saving these or collecting these little spirits of the forest that are called rot because rot is, you know, essential to nature fulfilling its course. Trees fall, they rot, they become fertilizer. Rot is an important part of an ecosystem. But the little rot figures that you get are little black balls with arms and feet, big white eyes. And I was like, oh, they look like the Dust Bunnies from Studio Ghibli shit. They don't. Now, objectively, they don't look like them. But they're reminiscent. They're little, they're black, they're little spirits that are everywhere. And you, you pick them up and they're, they're cute. So I get through the intro and I'm like, I gotta let Charlie try this. And... Man, there's something about a kid's face when they fall in love with something. Charlie played the intro, got to where I got, and she was like, well, what do I do next? And I said, I don't know. 
I haven't played further than this. I got to this point and stopped because I thought it was a game you would like. And the look on her face when I said that, that this like strange and mysterious and un... At this point, to her mind, unlimited thing I saved for her. This is for you. Man, that look on her face. And she dove into it fucking head first. And it's a big difference from Crash Team Racing. Crash Team Racing is X to go forward and left and right to steer. That's a racing game. At most of their cores, that's racing games. Obviously, there are much more complex things you can do in almost every racing game. But for Crash Team Racing, but for Crash Team Racing, that's kind of it. Kana is a third-person open-world adventure game. So you move with the left stick, and you control the camera with the right stick, and she has a bow, so you draw that with L2, and you fire it with L1 or R1, and R1 is light attack, and R2 is heavy attack, and circle is roll, and X is jump, which you can double jump. And holding L1 puts up a bubble shield. Also, I lied. Firing your arrow is L L2 and R2. L2 and R1 throws a bomb. And if you, in any way, want to make what you're doing stronger, you can add keystrokes in between those things to make them stronger say you want to throw a bomb full of your little rot buddies it slows down time for anybody that's in it you hold down the left trigger to aim hold down the right you hold down l2 to aim hold down r1 to throw a bomb and before you let go of r1 hit square to throw a bomb full of rot charlie only ever played racing games uh yesterday Charlie beat Kana for the second time. <laughs> Ooh, that just punched me right in the throat. Man, it was weird. The first time she, so the first time she played through it, I helped. I didn't answer everything, but there were some things, you know, I've been playing games for so long. There's some things I just looked at and went, okay, you're six. You're not going to get this. You gotta move really fast. You gotta flip these switches. They're on a timer. You gotta throw a bomb after you flip the switches and then not shoot the bomb, let the bomb blow up because then that will impact the third thing. But letting it burn down its fuse will let it blow up later so that you it starts closer to when you get to it instead of right away. So I was like, don't worry, I'll do it. And I'll go through and do it. There were big portions of that game that I did that for. And the, the final boss was a big bad boss and I kind of... I had to take over several points uh, to make it achievable for her. I was fine with that because I wasn't doing the game for her. I was avoiding the more frustrating parts. And there were times she got frustrated and ended up having to stop. Not because, you know, I wouldn't help her, but because I didn't want to spoil her figuring it out because I could tell she was close. Uh, and then... I do a lot of the last fight, and I think, you know, it's going to say, you have a chance to go do the rest of the stuff first. Uh, you don't have to finish the game. And instead of, you know, seeing that, I just went to go do the next thing, and the next thing was finishing the game 
And I could tell during the cutscene, like, oh, okay, this is gonna finish the game. And then, like halfway through that cutscene, I was—I started to panic. It's like, oh shit, this is about to be over. I don't think my kid understands what that means. And then it, the music rose and the screen turned to black and the credits started rolling and Charlie started bawling <laughs> because she didn't realize it was over. And y'all, when I tell you it did something to me, it still does. Like, I don't, man, it's, I remember playing Sonic and loving it. My first game for me. And it, you know, I'm pretty sure I did that mostly by myself, though. Yeah, my uncle was playing games and got me the system. I don't think my mom played Sonic that much with me. I know she did some, for sure. But games weren't her thing. Not like they were for Ben. Games are my thing. I talk about them, write about them. I fucking teach them. And I... I saw it hit my kid the way it hit me. And I was there for it. It was something else, man. She sobbed. She didn't want it to be over. And I realized that I didn't either. And I tried to console her and didn't know what I was going to do. And then almost as I'm about to like say, well, maybe we could just start over. Kana popped up a menu that was like, you can play New Game Plus now. And I was like, look, look, look. And showed her, like, here, you get to go do the intro again, and then you get all your little rot buddies back, and you can play through everything again with more challenges and more things to do, and you can hunt down all the stuff you didn't get your first playthrough. And she lit up like a firework. That was like two weeks ago. I started the game for her in October, November. Took her two months to beat it. Two weeks later, she beat it again. And she barely asked me for help. And that fucking rules. She was doing stuff that she could not do last time without even thinking about it. And she loves to show people what she can do in that game. Remember that thing I was talking about? Throwing a bomb, holding L2, and then holding R1, and then hitting square, and then letting go of R1, so you throw a special bomb? She does that all the time. She can do the same thing by holding L2 to aim, and R2 to draw the bow, and hitting square to fire a special arrow. She can also do the same thing by holding her heavy attack, and doing something that way, too. She knows how to get health, she knows how to dodge, she knows how to block. And in the previous episode, I walked through a scenario of, like, how do you explain to a kid who's only ever played Crash Team Racing that, like, this guy has a shield. That shield is going to mean you can't hit him. And to hit him, that then means you're going to have to get around him and find his weak spots and stagger him. Or get blah, 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 blah. The first time she played through the game, I would do those things. 
she would get in big fights and go, I need your help. And I would let her try a couple more times. And if she did me my help, I would pop in. But I would show her, like, this is what you do. Big guys like this, yeah, you have to do this. And a couple of things are super apparent to me in this. One, I, when I grew up playing games, games changed with me, right? I played Sega Genesis, right? You got a D-pad, three buttons, that's it. Before that was Mario, D-pad, two buttons. Uh, Nintendo, excuse me. D-pad, two buttons. Super Nintendo, D-pad, four buttons. Genesis, D-pad, three buttons. And then the next system I had was the PlayStation 1. So already you got four buttons, which is one more than the Sonic, the D-pad, and then you got the triggers. What does that even mean? What are those for? And then... The N64 introduces a single stick, which to this day, I don't know how we, any of us did it. It's so bad. And then we get the dual stick with the, with the PlayStation 2 and the Dreamcast, I believe. You're like, okay, two sticks. So what? How do I use these? And you use it in racing games. And then you get your first real like first-person shooter on console. Uh, in Halo, right? One of the big selling points for the Xbox, one of the big reasons Halo stands out the way it does is for a long time people said first-person shooters wouldn't work right on console, and there were attempts, and none of them really really nailed it. Halo was like, what, what if what if we nailed it? And um, you had the full gamut of movement on the left stick, aiming on the right stick, all the extra buttons doing... Precise and specific things, but I got to do that over time. Sure, it was it was uh, condensed, right? I didn't grow up in the '80s and see the '80s stuff, and then the '90s stuff, and then Halo in the early 2000s. I started playing games in '96, '97, '98, '99. I've been playing games for four or five years when Halo comes out, but still, four or five years to go through games as they're learning to use new things, right? Ninety. Four ninety five when I'm playing the old Nintendo and the Genesis, right? Just buttons and D-pads. And then, you know, 96, 97, the N64 and playing with a single stick. 98, 99, playing with the PlayStation. And then PlayStation 2. And then Xbox in 2001 and beyond, right? Like, and I'm, the timeline's probably messed up with all those things, but like, that's still years of me learning how games are going to be different while the people playing games were learning how different games are going to be. I can't imagine the second game I played being Kena. Because the first game I played was Sonic the Hedgehog. Right? The difference, the gap, the chasm of knowledge between how to operate both of those games is so broad. And so I was really worried about that. And it made it really difficult to coach my six-year-old on what to learn and what not to learn. So there was friction, like, throughout the process. I'm like, yeah, I'm emotional that my kid got emotional beating your game, or that she beat it the second time and largely didn't need my help. 
But I was also emotional when it was hard to explain to her things because it made me very angry and frustrated. I'm never angry at her, but like, I just, why, why is this so confusing to describe? And I have a pretty good example of why that was hard. I used it last episode talking about my professor. Or rather teacher from high school. Like I've done these things for so long. I can tell you all of those things about that character that you're about to fight. You've never done these things. Not once. So how do we coach? Okay, the right stick changes the camera. So where you're looking. Also, it's on an invert. So if you push left, it swings the camera around to the right and vice versa. Because that makes intuitive sense, but doesn't make logical sense. And you have light attacks and you have heavy attacks. And your block, if you do it right before someone hits you, counts as a parry and you can interrupt them. And just all of these little finite muscle memory motor skills that I've learned by playing games for a very long time. And she's not even kind of gotten the hang of yet. And, you know, trying to figure out, like, all right, how do we... How do I teach you how to do this without driving you nuts to the point where you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to do it. And there's times I'm sure that I was a little more harsh, like turn right. Nope. The other right. Charlie, what are you doing? Turn right. Charlie, turn. All right. Do whatever you want. Because <laughs> I'm petty sometimes. But I tell you what, this last most recent second playthrough. Hmm. I haven't had to say much. And it's kind of fucking cool. And it also makes me sad. I'm like, well, she doesn't need me anymore. <laughs> but also I'm like, good, don't ask dumb questions. <laughs> but man, watching her pick stuff up and learn has been amazing. Her brother loves watching her play. Uh to the degree. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the thing that I did to my brothers or my uncle did to me. That's like just watch me play for a little bit longer. Nobody likes that shit, but like he's starting to show interest because his sister does it. And there's a far shorter uh, fucking connection that has to be made there than, well, I want to do it because dad does it. Now he's like, well, sissy does it. I want to do it. So now the big question is, what do we do next? I don't want her to play Kana again. Not right away. Maybe, you know, a year or so, maybe two years. <laughs> Come back, play Kana on a harder difficulty. That'd be dope. See what she does when she's got more under, more more uh, experience under her belt. It's a weird way to describe things, isn't it? A lot of experience under my belt. What does that fucking mean? Cool. I'm gonna Google that as soon as I'm done recording this because uh, what? Um, I've got Sackboy Adventure, which, as you will find out in the next episode. Uh, I'm playing with partners that my wife and I have a lot of experience playing through Little Big Planet and Little Big Planet karting, which please, why, why, why can't we get another one of those? Um, yeah, I don't, there's got to be other stuff for her to play. Other games like Kana. I just have to think of them. 3D platforming, open world action adventure games. I would say Uncharted if it wasn't full of shooting people. Um, Tomb Raider, maybe? Also full of shooting people. She's also only six. She turned seven soon, but she's still only six slash seven. 
so who knows? That's the tricky next bit, which is interesting because it's one of the worst things about Family Game Night is figuring out the next game and hoping that it lands with everybody's skill set. What I'm doing here is finding the next game and gauging which skill set I want to try and teach more than another. Do I want to teach you what it means to be stealthy? Or do I want to teach you speed and timed platforming? You know what I mean? Like, are we doing the little big planet route where all the platforming is faster and a little more tricky than in Kena? Or are we going to do the Sly Cooper slash Tomb Raider slash Uncharted route where we have to sneak around people? I have no idea. <laughs> um, there's a lot of different ways we can go. I'm excited about all of them, but... I don't know what the goal was in doing this particular episode. I feel like there was a message with playing with friends and playing with parents. There is one here. It's just very specific. Like if you got kids and they want to play games, let them. And more than that, let them learn. And more than that, be there for when they do learn. And more than that, make them know how much you're enjoying them being into what you're into. I don't know. I mean, I always assumed that one of my kids would get into playing games. Of course I fucking did. But when it happened, when my kid cried when she beat her first game because she didn't want it to be over, and her big dorky video game nerd dad seeing it and getting emotional because he doesn't want it to be over. Fuck, man. That's some good shit. And maybe I should have expected it, but of course I didn't. So when it came, I was like, oh, my God. Fucking incredible. <laughs> Fucking incredible. I'm going to have that moment with Eli. What game is it going to be? Who knows? But like, I, there's a good chance Charlie gets a fucking Kana tattoo. When she grows up, because it's the first game she beat. And that rules, man. That rules. Teaching people to play games who've never played games before is awesome. And it feels a lot like I'm being an evangelist right now. But, like, sharing the joy of video games with people is fucking worth it. Maybe that's part of what this On Playing With series is about. Not just the interesting and ever-evolving dynamics of playing games with another party of people, but what it's like to share passions with other people. Maybe that was subconsciously always a part of the goal, but it wasn't conscious, and that's the point. I'm realizing it now, and like I'm really glad that I've come across this thought process, this way of seeing this, because it's not just games being games. It's about people being people next to each other with each other at length and being passionate about something that someone that you love is passionate about is a valuable thing to be able to do and I won't be upset later in life when my grandma passes because I wasn't able to say that we shared a passion together and I won't be able to say in 20 years from now that like Charlie and I didn't share something 
like she loves she and her brother love baseball too and that's 100% because dad just has it on all the time when the baseball season's on but like your kids are bound to like some of the things that you like and am I running the risk of introducing her to games now so that when she's older she rebels against it because she doesn't want to like what dad likes maybe I don't give a shit that's dumb I feel like that only happens in movies they may not like baseball forever Honestly, I might not like watching baseball forever, but like, yeah, that's a dumb thing I just said. I'm going to like watching baseball forever. I'm that kind of dude. Commit to the bit. But I got, I got to share a thing. I just mentioned this before. I didn't write about games with anybody else around me. Nobody wanted to do it this way. Nobody wanted to talk about games this way. I didn't play with many people for a long time. I didn't get my first Xbox until college. Really, the Xbox was fucking borrowed. And so, like, there's there's something to being able to be there for her while she does it. Being able to cheer her on and man, seeing her share stuff with her, with grandmas and friends when they come over. Look at, look at Kana. Can I show, Daddy, can I show this person Kana? Yeah, yeah, you can. Of course you can. The kid does art to her soundtrack. To the Kana soundtrack. She goes to bed to the Kana soundtrack. Cannot wait until she turns 16. I'll get her a can of tattoo immediately. <laughs> That's all I got, though. That's my thoughts. Playing with kids is something that seems intimidating, especially because it's video games, and playing video games with kids is... Well, we all play Call of Duty and get yelled at by 10-year-olds. It sucks. But playing a game with your kids as they get more and more interested in this thing that they've seen their dad or their mom, their uncle, their cousin, their friend doing. Because they want to know. And then watching them realize it is worth everything. Y'all, I had a moment as a kid where I played a game and I went, I'm going to do these. I'm going to play these for the rest of my life. And I'm pretty sure I saw that exact same thought in my daughter's face. I hope anybody who wants it has the opportunity to experience that. If you want to follow what Nerdy Bits does, you can go to nerdybits.com or follow us on Twitter at nerdy underscore bits or on blue sky at just nerdy bits. You can follow me everywhere at lubwub, L-U-B-W-U-B. The music for this episode is a song called On My Way Up by Conroe. We got our music from Monster Cat. Get their gold subscription if you're a content creator. Blech, hate the word. And you can use their music on your YouTube videos, Twitch streams, or like this, podcasts. And last but not least, we do not grow old because we stop playing. We stop playing because we, nope, we do not stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Don't get old.
even if you're not playing, watching your kid play, it'll keep you young. It'll keep you young. And uh, just like a chime, my dog is barking. Thanks for listening, everybody. One more episode of the play on playing with series. It'll be on playing with partners. Um, I would say look for that Friday. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get that out Friday. But have a good Tuesday. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. And uh, peace.